Welcome. You're about to meet a sophisticated redneck. You probably won't laugh at his attempts at humor, but there's always that draw. I think I see him coming out of that barn over on the far left. And here he is, the Cooth Hillbilly. Hello, folks. Welcome. I'm Crawford Harris, a.k.a. the Cooth Hillbilly. This being the first episode of my new podcast, I need to let you know a bit about me and what to expect from the podcast and why the silly name for it. Well, I'm in my 80s, and most of those years have been pretty eventful. I hope that some of my experience in education will make this podcast useful to you. In the past, I've taken the stage in front of hundreds but for the past several years, I've been confined to a wheelchair and sit in front of screens at least 80 to 100 hours a week. And so I'm not up to this public speaking, as if that's what it can be construed as. I joke that if it were not for doctor's appointments, I would not have a social life at all. Sitting alone with only the mic, it feels a little bit strange, but give me a few episodes and I promise to loosen up. Okay, now on with the show. I was born and raised in the hills of East Tennessee. One of my great-grandfathers was Tennessee's last surviving veteran of the Civil War. He fought for the Union. He was a very successful farmer and moonshiner. He lived a couple of days past his 104th birthday, and I was just a mite short of nine years at, at his funeral. So now you're just two degrees of separation from the Civil War. Many of you, not being anywhere near my age, may think that the biggest trial in the last century was O.J. Simpson's. Even bigger was the Scopes trial. You may not have heard of it. That was back in 1925 and about evolution. It became known as the Monkey Trial. It was held in Dayton, Tennessee, with reporters from across the country and from Europe and even Japan. That was the town where I was born. And one of my grandfathers was sheriff and the other chief of police at that time. The town where I was born became to be known as Monkey Town. Later, I lived in Detroit for a part of World War II. And then we moved to Chattanooga. There, one of my classmates was Ted Turner. Yep, that one. CNN, Turner Classic Movies, Atlanta Braves, Atlanta Hawks, and the winner of the America's Cup, and Jane Fonda's Last Husband. Somehow, he got the moniker of Mouth of the South. Now, that should have been mine. I got kicked out of that prep school three times. Teddy was actually much better behaved back then. He never got kicked out. And I haven't changed that much. I'm still a troublemaker. You'll find out. Well, I guess I've established my credentials as a hillbilly, and, and after explaining how the name came about, I'll provide my qualifications for the cooth part. Cooth isn't a word that you hear every day. It just means sophisticated, while hillbilly not so much. Anyway, I dropped out of college and was homeless down in the Fort Lickerdale, Hollywood Beach area of Florida. One day I was standing on a street corner, hungry, wondering where to go next, what to do. I reached in my pocket and found two pennies. I looked across the street and about the middle of the block 
was an Army recruiting station. Back in the days of the draft, and having dropped out of college, the draft board was likely already been looking for me, so I decided to let them feed and house me for a while. They put me on a bus to Miami for the exams, and then I was off to Fort Jackson, South Carolina by train. And the training companies, at least back in those days, were made up of 225 guys. However, in my company, known as B-72, only five of us were from the South. The Army had sent the other 220 from New York, New Jersey, and Puerto Rico. Feeling their innate, God-given superiority, these damn Yankees began name-calling. They must have been in their most creative mood. After what was probably a great deal of thought, they happened upon Hillbilly. Now I knew that if I could come up with a better, self-deprecating joke, that they'd shut up. So, in my most exaggerated drawl, I told them, I never would have joined the Army if I'd have known that they were shoes. They stopped. Hold on, there's more. A few decades later, I was in a top-ranked graduate school for international relations. One day, five or six of us were just standing around gabbing and solving all the world's problems. All of a sudden, one of the guys says, You know, Crawford, you talk slow, but you're not really all that dumb. Now, I know the University of Michigan expects the graduates to speak with better grammar than that, but we'll let that pass. The room became deathly silent. It probably was for about ten seconds, but it seemed an eternity. He realized his faux pas and even appeared to physically shrink in front of us. And as educated as he was, still he subconsciously bought into the stereotype he conflated being slow of speech with limited intelligence. Now, I was almost 20 years his senior and with a great deal of real-world experience compared to his none, and several years more education, I was just a hillbilly, hence the name. Though the URL, though the URL of my blog has been CrawfordHarris.com since uh, summer of 2008, the logo has shown the name of the blog as The Couth Hillbilly. So the name isn't something new. At my age, there's no benefit to bragging, but there is an important reason for giving you a bit of my resume. I'll get into that reason in a minute. I served in the Army. I also served as a city councilman, commissioner of public works, commissioner of fire and police, and mayor. As executive director of a nonprofit, as a professional photographer, and as a foreign correspondent. I wrote for an academic journal, I worked for two intelligence agencies, and sold veggies on the side of the road. I've been up and down a few times. I also worked in banking and then in the entertainment business, and I was a real estate broker. And I'm ashamed to admit, I even did some telemarketing. I never considered myself too good for any honest work, but I'm not too sure about that last one. I was a programmer for Delta Airlines. I have eight patents and was a tenured student. I manufactured an automation system to, based on one of my patents, but went broke. I did not file for bankruptcy. I paid off all my debts. It, it took 11 years, but I did it. Obviously, I didn't matriculate at Trump University. I've left out a few things that they were either very short term or of no importance. I didn't go to college for a piece of paper, but to slake my curiosity. To learn something, everything. As a kid, I had learned that Thomas Jefferson was considered a Renaissance man. I wanted to be one. 
However, my mother wanted me to be a missionary, so my first year of college was wasted in a small religious school. Back then, you did what your parents said, and they were paying for it anyway. After that first year, I re she relented, and I went on to a real college. There, and at another five or six colleges, I took math, physics, astronomy, and both physical and cultural anthropology, and that changed the direction of my life. Physical anthropology is based on the natural sciences, while cultural anthropology is based on the social and behavioral sciences. If you're good at something, everyone, parents, teachers, and others, push you in that direction. Well, it was during the Cold War and the space race, so everyone pushed me in the direction of math and science. The math and science were really too easy for me, and it became boring. After all, two plus two will always be four, and if you forget that formula, you can always look it up. Relationships between people, on the other hand, are constantly changing. They're always challenging. So I then pursued history, sociology, philosophy, psychology, political science, and there was a year of law school in there somewhere. The government was paying for all this law school, and but I realized that Georgia and law were a contradiction, an oxymoron. The government still wanted to pay for something, so I let them pony up for commercial pilot's license with multi-engine and instrument ratings. However, I had a very slight heart attack in 1973. I still flew a lot, but that was the end of my relationship with joysticks. After that, I was just a passenger. Back to academics. I finished off a degree in political science to prepare for graduate school, where my studies were international relations, international economics, and the Chinese language. By the way, I usually do things bass-ackards. I took a couple of classes in journalism after I was no longer a foreign correspondent and a degree in political science after escaping from political office. A lot of that time in the groves of academia was a waste, except that it gave me a whole slew of different perspectives, and that's the important thing. Think of standing in the middle of a street. Maybe you see houses on either side, and you have a, a perspective. Walk around behind those houses. More perspectives. Then you have a better grasp of those buildings and the neighborhood because you have been able to apply several perspectives to how you see that neighborhood. There may be swimming pools in the backyard, tennis courts, cars up on blocks. Well, those are probably in the front yard, I guess. You may even discover that you're on a movie lot and the buildings are nothing but facades. I've acquired lots of different perspectives, and now it's impossible for me to see almost anything from only one perspective. That's complicated, but I find it useful. I've lived in 13 states in Washington, D.C. I've traveled more than most, such as 65 trips to Japan, 51 to Korea. That first trip was in a DC-7 before jets flew over there. With two stops for fueling, each of them two hours, it was 31 hours and 45 minutes in the air between San Francisco and Tokyo. I could even throw in Canada, Mexico, and a few places in Europe. The opportunity to see this country from the outside was enlightening. My last international trip was to Scotland. It was a present from my wife for my 70th birthday. I had not been back in 37 years, and I had to do some more research on my gene genealogy. She refuses to fly, so I went alone. I lost my dad's cane in Edinburgh and 
There likely won't be any more international travel. Being in a wheelchair is something of an inconvenience. My late first wife was Korean. We had lost a child at birth, adopted a Korean-American daughter, and then had a son. They have provided the excuse to brag on many occasions. My wife died of malpractice in Atlanta in 1974. I was very unprepared to be a single parent. My second wife was Palestinian, and she died of a brain tumor. My present wife is from Old Hickory, Tennessee, and she's put up with me for more than 30 years. Thank you. I think I have provided some justification for both the Cooth and the Hillbilly. Born in a backwater town known as Monkey Town, I was raised in the South, and then came at least some sophistication. People are complex. Nations are complex. People want simple answers, but they're rare. You'll never solve all the world's problems based on what you can fit on the bumper sticker. This podcast will consist of several subjects. The major focus will be on politics, economics, international relations, the law, the Constitution, and possibly another otter in. With age has come a slew of medical problems. I think I may have had enough maladies to make the Guinness Book. Whatever. I'm a research nerd, and that just provided me the excuse to read a great deal on medicine and health. I'll likely throw in an occasional episode on one of those. Along the way, I intend to provide y'all with the equivalency of a graduate-level education in some of these subjects, but it will all be free and without all the academic pretension. I said free, but it would be nice to receive enough in donations to cover my daily cup of coffee and pound of caviar. The website includes a donate button if you want to use it. Just think, a real learning experience, no diploma and free, the exact opposite of Trump University. Having wasted a lot of years in school, I could impress myself and bore you with unnecessary verbiage, but I'll try not to lecture you, but just have a one-sided conversation. Once I get acclimated to podcasting and climb a bit further up the learning curve, I hope to include some interviews. The real reason for creating this podcast is to pass along some of what we've I've had the opportunity to learn and experience before I pass on. Most people will categorize me as a liberal or progressive. I consider labels as useless and misleading. Having specialized in East Asian studies, I used to tell people that I range from the left of Mao Zedong to the right of Genghis Khan. Now you'll learn that I don't fit into a static niche. Please don't leave just because you might disagree with me, but I'm a very agreeable old geezer, and if we both agreed on everything, one of us would be unnecessary. I think that even if you don't end up agreeing with me, if you hang around, you will end up with a deeper, fuller understanding of the world we live in. I want to inspire people to think for themselves, not just parrot what everyone in their social matrix accepts without question. Question everything, everyone. I've offered you a start in getting to know me, and I'd like a chance to know you. I intend to put a questionnaire on the website, and when it does appear, just fill out the parts you want to. It would be nice to at least have your age, your gender, your occupation, and your location. The more I know about you, the better experience I can make this for you. Over on that site, there are a couple of other things. 
You can ask questions, offer suggestions, complaints, or even flattery. Also, you can subscribe. That way you'll be notified of each new episode. I bet your years are long enough now, and so tell your friends about this place and run over to couthillbilly.com and subscribe. If you're there, you can also buy a couple of my books through a direct link to Amazon. Not to worry if you have an iPad or iPhone, Mac. Amazon has apps for all of those so that you can read them in the Kindle version. Of course, I have printed versions, and one of them, in fact, is in Audible, and the others will be. And I'm working on two more books right now, when I get the time. Well, thanks for stopping by, and y'all come back now, you hear? Thanks for coming by and listening to the Couth Hillbilly Podcast. Not to worry, he'll be back and we hope that you will be too. In the meantime, just run over to CouthHillbilly.com and subscribe. That's C-O-U-T-H Hillbilly.com. That way you'll be certain to never miss an episode. Stay safe.